Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, libtard, Donald Trump will never be impeached. You idiot. Go crawl back under the rock from which you came. Hillary Clinton should be in jail, you libtard. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. up the trolls since 2014. Thank you and welcome to episode 548 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly Brittany Page. Good afternoon, sir. <laughs> Good afternoon. I'm still a little bit under the weather, but um, going steady with uh, the, the illness. It's been rough. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't often get sick. I find that when people who don't often get sick, mm-hmm. when they do get sick, uh-huh. it's a a kick in the ass for them. Yeah, although I've continued to go about my normal yeah, activities, yeah. but it, at a at a cost. You're, yeah, you're not missing a beat, but you're not feeling good about it. A little slow, yeah. Yeah, that's good. yeah, for sure. Can I bitch about something? Um, that's pretty much what we created this whole thing for, I think. What, the podcast or the intro segment? Uh, the podcast. <laughs> uh, I, mm-hmm. we need better people to engineer, to design the interior of bathrooms. Public, public bathrooms where there are multiple stalls. Okay. For instance, like at the federal, when I was on grand jury yeah. duty. Yeah, yeah. The bathroom there was fantastic. Almost no gap in between the sides of the of the of the walls of the stall. Wait, almost no gap or no gap? Not not really a discernible one. Okay, not like a, you couldn't make eye contact with somebody from That is exactly right. Okay. Like for instance, and this this is the worst I've ever I've ever had. <laughs> we when we took our trip to Seattle, oh my god! Well, I, I was just in a bathroom the other day uh-huh. in the stall, yeah, taking care of some biz, as they say. Okay, and uh, I, there's the gap, and someone made, like you just said, eye contact. Mm-hmm. That's no good. I don't need somebody staring me into my soul, yeah. when I'm taking care of business. Avert your eyes. Avert your eyes. Well, when, when we were in Seattle, yeah, in in Pike's place the the little the market yeah the market area there mm-hmm. they've got bathrooms but in the in one of the the the, the shitter stalls <laughs> it's like uh you know those like old timey doors that are that that like there's a lower part and an upper part yeah yeah it was like that except there was no upper part so it's like a half 
a half door in where, the bathroom. Yeah, and I was having a bad day that day where <laughs> a bad tum time. Yeah, I mean it was emergency it was an emergency it was not good yeah it wasn't good okay and i'm in there like in the half door in the the half door and a guy comes walking in and just and it's not like through the crack of like spying me it's like straight on looking me in dead at both eyes like you're just watching him walk by and his head is looking down at you well when he came it wasn't walking by when he came in he was walking straight toward me just by the design (laughs) of the bathroom oh no so anyway that was a terrible i'm glad that i never saw him again yeah yeah. he probably went and ran into the ocean and killed himself (laughs) but let's hope not it, it is it, it just come on, man. Yeah. With the, with the gap already. Yeah. I mean, like at YouTube, when I go to YouTube studios or when I've been there yeah. in the past. Yeah. They have like unisex bathrooms where you walk in and each stall is its own like hard, heavy door that shuts behind you. Where oh, that's nice. You're in clothes. And no gap. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. We need more of that yeah. in my life. I mean, I've been in similar situations where the gap has been pretty substantial. I mean, to the point where... You know, it feels like a team effort when you're changing your tampon or something, you know, like someone is standing outside the stall, like watching you and propping you up and helping you through it. You need some some help in there? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I understand what you're saying. And I, I have been in some of the bathrooms where it closes and there's no gap. So I know it's possible. Yeah. You know, it's just like creating a stall with a door that just closes like any other yeah. door. Um, I don't know why that can't be universal. Well, here's the other thing, and this is where my anxiety kicks in. I don't like like the, the one-seaters, like in a restaurant or whatever, Yeah, where the door is not within reach, where you can like push it closed <laughs> if somebody, like the, the, the lock fails or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like yeah. where you're sitting across the room, looking at the door, <laughs> hoping, you keep second guessing yourself. Yeah. Did I lock it? Oh, yeah. I, did, I, did I lock it enough? Did I push that thing in enough? Yeah. It's just not good. You, people need to be smarter about how they design things. You know, that happened to me the other day where I was in the bathroom at work and it, it's a similar situation where the door is not within reach. And... So I was I was peeing and someone started trying to come in and you you had to unlock it from the outside. So I heard the key go in and I heard someone like trying to unlock the door and I start panicking because it hasn't happened to me in so long that like I didn't know what to say. And I was just like, no, (laughs) (laughs) you just screamed. I just panicked and said no really loud. Um, And. I think that they, it's like traumatic for me, so the memory is a little blurry, but um, they, I think they did open the door, and I jumped up and pulled the door handle in, pulled it closed. Wow. Like, that's that's how much of a close call it was. So everybody has a key, because you work in a locked psychiatric facility. Right. So yeah. they have a key in case somebody got in there, and they need to get in there to get them out, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Even after you screamed no? Yes. and But you're also supposed to knock. There's a sign on the outside that says knock before entering because it's always locked, hmm. you know? And and so you don't really know if someone's in there unless That's, you're hearing noises and stuff. That is a dicey situation. It really is. Um, so like I said, traumatic. Any mess? Was there any mess made? No, there was no mess. Um, <laughs> everything was fine. I was pretty I mean, frazzled, if though. If you hadn't been on your uh, uh, on, already on the toilet, that's a situation where you'd... 
get so stressed you'd shit your pants. Well, the nice thing <laughs> about being a hoverer is that you're pretty much always in a stance where you're ready to take some action. Ready to spring. Yeah. 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 You're like in a squatting position and you're you're ready to jump up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Could I let's switch gears. Well, you also had a traumatic experience. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really traumatic, but it was. Well, I was my fight or flight kicked in. Yeah. So that's, if, if, if any trauma that kicked in. Well, let's talk about that for a moment, because I was standing at the meat counter at a grocery store. Yeah. And you left to go look for some ingredient for dinner and you come back over and I can see you walking toward me and you're going, you're I'm, opening your hands and closing yeah. your hands and kind of shaking them off. And I'm like, did he just like fight somebody? What just, what's going, why is he doing that? And your face looked very like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, like yeah. you were confused. And so you come over and you showed me your hands and your knuckles from from above your knuckles, like your fingers, they were completely white. Yeah. And your knuckles and the rest of your hand were red. Yeah, it's, it's when I get into the fight or flight thing, when the, you get that surge of, of adrenaline, it 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 uh, my hands start to tingle. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like a lo- loss of blood flow. Yeah. Well, you could and you could see it in yeah. your hands. You could see the coloring. Well, and, and some people are different. Some people are super calm. That's my thing. I, I I do. I'm able to think and act well under pressure in those moments. Right. But my hands get tingly. Yeah. And that's when I know, like even like a road rage thing. When very rarely has it ever happened, or recently it used to happen all the time yeah but i know when i'm really bothered by something if my hands start to do that right it hasn't happened for in forever yeah so you were wearing your warren yeah, shirt so here's the, here's what happened <laughs> and keep in mind i'm in the albertsons uh, i'm in a i'm in a grocery store yeah i'm looking for creme fraiche for god's <laughs> sake you know what i mean for your delicious mustard chicken yeah. guys so it's not like i'm on the wood fucking mega hats i'm not you know we're just grocery shopping man yeah and i walk by and i'm wearing my warren she has a plan for that shirt on yeah and i walk past a guy and i smile hey you know eye contact and he looks down on my shirt and he goes (laughs) and i turn around as we pass Uh. i go i go is there excuse me what what was that and he goes what what did you say i said i was just wondering what just happened there? What was that? So, so hang on. He laughed at you in he, a very snarky, yeah, aggressive and, and way. Like, and like shook his head, like disgusted. Right. Like obviously wanting a response. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And then you say something. Like you're like, hey, oh, what was that? Did you have something that you wanted to say? And then he asks you what you were saying. Yeah, he goes, excuse me? Like, well, what happened? When he initiated the whole thing. Yeah, after... After looking back, well, I'll just tell the story and then we can kind of get into how I analyzed it. Because after after it happened, yeah. after the whole thing went down, it's a lot of what happened at the beginning started making sense. Mm. So we're confronting. He, you know, he I, I he says, "Excuse me," and then marches right up into my face. And he's, you know, this kid. We'll just paint a picture here. Uh, you got me, six foot three, two hundred and sixty five pounds. You've got him, you know, five foot eleven, six foot tall, you know, um, not well built, mm-hmm. but you know, not a not a little guy mm-hmm. in like a tight t shirt. He's got a high and tight haircut, like a Marine Corps haircut. Like, yeah, you tell he's signaling. He's in the military. I'm a military was. guy. Yeah. yeah, was a veteran. And uh, he says to me, 
excuse me? Like with this giddy look on his face, like, oh my God, this is happening. Awesome. Mm. And uh, he goes, I go, what did you say? He goes, I'm just laughing at your t-shirt. I go, you're, you're laughing at my t-shirt. Right. What? I said, what are you? Are you, you some kind of a, a fucking douche? You see <laughs> right there. That's it. Warn people, call people names. Oh my I said, God. Uh, are you a Trump? You're a Trump guy. He goes, yeah, I, please. And then it was back and forth a little bit. And then I, that's when the thing kicked in. Uh-huh. And I, rather than have, and this is what I want to talk about, because I failed in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I'd like a little advice from the audience. I know everyone's going to say, I know I'm, uh, I'm interrupting the story. I know everyone's going to say, just walk away. Mm-hmm. That's not in me. That's mm-hmm. never, ever going to happen. Because in the moment, I don't. I go back to my lizard brain place. Mm-hmm. But if I could have something pre-planned, something snarky and funny and humiliating to say to this guy, it would be better than me just c- calling him a Trump cunt, which is ultimately what happened. Mm-hmm. And then he got closer to me after I started calling him a couple names. And I've got my glasses on and I slowly take my glasses off and I, I kind of laughed and I go, am I... Am I supposed to be afraid of you right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "You well." And then he switched gears and he goes, "Yeah, I'm a I'm a veteran." And I go, "So so am I. Mm-hmm. I was in the Marine Corps." And he goes, "Well, I was in the Army." And then, and those of you who served will know the inter-service rivalries that take place. This is not something I really believe, but it's something that I know would stick with this guy. And I said to him, very dismissively, I go, "Keep." Keep bragging about that, brother. Mm-hmm. And then I walked away. Yeah. Because I wanted out of the situation. Because I'm not going to fight a man inside of an Albertsons mm-hmm. over a political t-shirt. Right. So I, I walked away. Mm-hmm. And well, that's good. And then we saw him again. And I, I very aggressively pointed over at him to let him know we were talking about him. Yeah. Um, but I, I for sure failed in this moment. Yeah. And then after we left, we, we talked about it a lot. And I think what happened was he saw a guy in a Warren shirt and immediately put in his mind what that person was, how they would react, that they're like, I'm some kind of a super peacenik who's not going to who's not going to be able to deal with confrontation well or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the reason I believe that is is how giddy he was when I said, excuse me, he was excited. Oh, yes. And then when he found out because it. I, it seems to me that it it surpassed any understanding of his that I could possibly be mm-hmm. a United States Marine veteran. Right. It, that just wasn't in the cards. Of course not. So as soon as I said that, it was like, oh, this is not going the way I thought it was. Right. This might not end physically the way I thought it was going to. Right. And he started getting a little a little nervous. So somebody, this this guy is probably somebody who has gone through his life... Um, behaving this way in public toward people that he um, disagrees with or that he views as lesser than him and has rarely been called to the carpet, as it were. Yeah. um, And challenged and actually addressed in a similar fashion that he addresses other people. Yeah, well, and then I think, he was surprised. Yeah, he 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 expected caveman rules to kick in, where he's going to be able to intimidate me, scare me, frighten me. Mm-hmm. And when it didn't happen, he realized, oh shit, what, what what I tried to impart upon him is is happening to me. Yeah, because I'm not the big dog here, mm-hmm. and. The- 
it, it was the ultimate backfire, and yeah. it was pretty great. I mean, there was not it, there was not palpable panic on his face, but there was certainly discomfort, and uh, he was unsure. Yeah, of his standing. Yeah, well, and I don't listen. I'm not saying this like, yeah, I fucking showed that guy. I mean, I did show that guy, but I, I, I don't feel good about having that happen. And also, it's laughable that Warren people call someone names. You pointed out immediately that only hours before Donald Trump was calling Mitt Romney a pompous ass mm-hmm. on on Twitter, mm-hmm. he, the name calling president. He's telling me Warren people call people names. It's just it's asinine. Yeah. So I know that you are asking the audience for um, tips on how you could have responded better in this situation, and I'm really not sure that there is an appropriate answer to that. I mean, aside from not ratcheting up the possibility of a like physical confrontation by <laughs> calling someone who already has like sensitive masculinity, um, yeah. particularly triggering names. Um, but <laughs> uh, aside from that, you know, I just don't know. Obviously he was not the kind of person who was wanting to have a conversation, right? Yeah. He, he's not someone who's going to be swayed. It's not as though if you went into that armed with a few really strong talking points that he would readily consider those and want to hear them. Um, he, he was just someone who was looking to get a rise out of somebody and then who was shocked when it didn't go the way that he planned. Um, that they didn't cower or ignore him or run away. Right. But yeah. I'm not sure that in that situation, there's anything that you could have done to make it productive. Well, I've thought about it a lot mm-hmm. since last night. We're, this is probably 14 hours ago this happened. Yeah. And I thought about it a lot. And I thought maybe say something about, like, you expect me to have an actual policy discussion with you. You voted for Trump. Your opinion doesn't matter. I mean, something snarky and dickish. But then I've also thought about, um, so you're laughing at me because we have different political views. I mean, there's there's ways to say things that are going to uh, belittle his opinion to show him that he's just trying to be a brute and trying to be a bully. Right. I don't know, though. You know, This isn't my my wheelhouse when checked like this mm-hmm. by a dude who's clearly what he was doing was trying to intimidate me. Right. Is to buck back in that same way. And mainly because I'm good at that. Yeah. That is a skill set of mine is, you know, striking fucking fear into this dickhead's heart. Mm-hmm. Well, I but think- it's not but it's not evolved. Right. And I think the latter comment that you just made is probably most aligned with what I would think would be the most productive. Right. Um, you know, you're really laughing at me because of my political shirt. You know, what what is supposed to happen right now? Are we supposed to engage in a respectful way? Are we yeah. like what what was the point of that? You know, but even that is what's the point of having that conversation? You know, Um it's tough, though. Um, I think that because we both have that same Warren shirt and I've worn it out on a few occasions um, and we live in Orange County, so it's Republican country. I mean, I know it it's went shift- blue. It's but shifting, but it is still there's we saw a MAGA hat yesterday. Yesterday we did. You know? yeah. So there it's you see it. OK. And when you are out with that shirt on, there is more of a spotlight effect on where you feel like when you walk into a place that people are noticing it. Right. And sometimes 
the people who are noticing it don't like it and you can tell, but they don't say anything. Like I've never had anyone say anything. Is this your first experience having someone actually comment on it? Yeah. In public. Yeah. 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 And I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to wear it. I'm not afraid. I'm not, of course I'm not ashamed to wear it, but I'm not afraid or even like, Ugh, maybe I won't wear it anymore. I'm fucking wearing the shirt. Yeah. I'm, I'm not- going to wear the shirt. We, we've actually only had good comments. In fact, only three minutes later yeah. at the meat counter, yeah. the girl's like, I love your shirt. Yeah, ah, and she didn't even so know great. what happened. I yeah. said, oh, thank you so much for telling him that because he just had someone who didn't like his shirt. And this yeah. is a corrective experience for hands, him. Hands are still tingly. And she's, yeah. you know, like, oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, help but relax also, you a bit. When we were going to brunch that day and that, that older lady was like, yeah, yes, she, she does have a plan. That's awesome. You know, yeah. There has been more, far more positive reinforcement while wearing the shirt than than it, well, this is the first negative. Right. So maybe as things heat up and we get closer to the final countdown, final showdown, maybe you want to have something planned for what you can actually say if this does happen again. And we like we said, would love to invite the feedback from the audience on this 657-464-7609. Or you can send a fewer than three minute voicemail to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Yes. All right, let's move on. Speaking of the number and the email address, let's get to a listener call and then we're just going to press forward. Hey guys, it's Matt in Denver. Uh, I, I just had one question because, I'm reading all these articles and watching all these interviews with Giuliani and uh, Pompeo saying that people won't show up when they're depositioned for, uh, uh, when they're scheduled for depositions. I, I thought that, that was something you could go to jail for. When people subpoena you in, in regular court, now I, I don't have a law degree. I, I'm, you know, I'm not anywhere near that smart or educated, but I would have sworn that you're supposed to be sent to prison if you don't actually come when you are summoned, basically. But am I thinking of something incorrectly? And if I'm not, what is going to happen to all these people that the House is saying that you need to come uh, and... Uh, uh, what exactly is going to happen when they don't show up? I'm I'm a little confused. Thanks. Bye. Well, Matt, thank you. It's actually a good question. It's interesting. Um, what happens is, in order for something action to be taken relative to punishment or reprisal from the government, it gets forwarded on to the Justice Department, and that's the problem right now. Is the individuals who are bucking the subpoenas are like Bill Barr, the head of the the, the Department of Justice. So they forward it to him, and it's up to the Justice Department to then punish their boss, and it's it's dicey territory. Now we're also, we find ourselves in a situation where this Justice Department is covering for, running interference for these other witnesses who aren't going to be complying. So we are going to be in a tough situation. Uh, the, the Democrats are going to start taking this to court where a judge will have to enforce something. And uh, that's yet to be seen. I'm really hoping uh, Democrats have long been dummies, weaklings, ineffectual relative to to being strong about stuff. And I'm hoping that that those times are over. I'm hoping that they will grow a spine and be forceful 
about this. You know, we 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 waited this long to get to a point where Nancy Pelosi would uh, would even consider the impeachment inquiry as as being underway, and now that we're here, they better fucking do it right. Yeah. I want to say that even though this mess that we are in is difficult to continue to think about and deal with, um, the important lesson that we should take from it is how important it is to not become complacent and how important it is to consider the people that we are elevating to positions of power and all of our political actions and how important they are and getting involved in this process because this is what happens when the worst people are elevated to positions of power. It makes everything just that much more difficult. Yeah. And it makes it that much more difficult to hold these people accountable because they get into these positions and then it's more difficult to give them consequences. Yeah. When they behave poorly or when they commit crimes. So. That's so. I hate. I mean, obviously, this is this one of those things that goes unsaid, but I hate that we're here. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I think we talked about this last episode. What have we done? Mm-hmm. Who is it that we rewarded with great, great power? Mm-hmm. Who is shirking his responsibility? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. I think we have an email. We do. So this is Natalie from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Thank you so much for running the PSA regarding the flu shot. I've had so much on my mind lately that I completely forgot about the fact that me getting the flu shot could possibly protect those around me who can't. I don't know yet if my father is allowed to get a flu shot or not, but I will be sure to ask at his next appointment. My father was recently diagnosed with stage four cancer, which really, really sucks. He's the most important person in my life. My sister died by suicide a few years ago, which just destroyed my father and I. And my mother died from cancer many years ago when I was 10. Sorry, I didn't really mean to go down this depressing road. What I really meant to say was thank you to Brittany, Jesse, and especially Marcus for reminding me to get my flu shot. Because if I gave my dad the flu with his weak immune system due to the chemotherapy, I don't think I'd ever forgive myself. And thank you to you guys for the show in general. I haven't missed an episode in at least a year and a half. I always look forward to downloading then listening to every new episode. I love hearing your guys' take on the news of the day and on other more mundane parts of all of our lives. Thank you so much for giving me something to actually smile about. There seems to be less and less things that do that all the time. But the two of you and Popeye do bring a bit of sunshine into this otherwise pretty dark and gloomy life. Shit, didn't mean to write such a depressing email. Sorry about that. I really do love listening to you guys, and you really do make life seem a little less shitty. Thank you. Natalie K. P.S. Brittany, Jesse, and Popeye are all the best parts. Well, Natalie, um, thank you very much for such a, 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 a honest, open, sharing email. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, life, life is hard. Life is often uh, a very difficult, I don't like the word, but unfair proposition. Throws you curveballs over and over and over again. And uh, I hope that, we're, we, that we have provided something here of value that um, you know, is some sort of a bright spot in, in your day and others. You know, the, the audience's day. Um, we, we've really tried to foster some sense of community here. That's one of the main reasons we read emails and play voicemails. 
and hang in there. Mm-hmm. Hang in there. Absolutely. Um, but also, thank you for sharing that because, like Jesse said, one of the reasons we started taking listener voicemails and emails is because we want to hear the varied perspectives and the different life experiences that people have that have informed their worldview because we're all just walking around viewing things from our own perspective and yeah. our own life experiences and that bias biases things. Right. So we want to hear from everybody and we want to hear your perspectives. And we're so happy that Natalie took the time to write to us and tell us a little bit about what's going on for her. And by her sharing that, I'm sure someone out there is going through something similar and felt some relief or uh, assistance in hearing um, someone else's perspective and what they're going through. And it's important that we talk about those things, you know, not yeah. just not just when life is happy and fun and good times, but also when it's really hard and when people are experiencing terrible things. We want to make sure that we we are also talking about that to help people through that. And so hang and it, like Jesse said, hang in there, Natalie. We're we're thinking of you and we're happy that we we can offer moments that that help you smile. I think it's. Not not everybody needs help getting through the good times. Right. It's the bad times, the hard times that we need the assistance. We need the 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 community to wrap their arms around you and, and give you a, give you a hug, get you get you some um, encouragement. Absolutely. So hang in there. All right. Let's let's uh, let's hit the mid roll, and then I want to talk about the Amber Geiger case. Support for I doubt it with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and. Good-looking listeners like you, by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would like to thank all of our beautiful Patreon supporters for their ongoing support of the show. You are what keeps us going, but not just you, also the people who support us on PayPal, who support us by shopping through the Amazon link, dollamore.com slash Amazon, and also the people who review the shows on, I mean, review the show on... We only do one show, (laughs) one podcast. uh, Review the show on whatever podcast catcher you're using to listen to the show. But iTunes, I, I podcast, I... Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. That's what it is. You know, that hard. name was really catchy it's and it weird, caught on. It's a weird thing that they, you're iTunes forever. Yeah. And then, oh no, we're Apple Podcasts now. Yeah. It's like when the Pac-10 became the Pac-12. Well, nobody knows that reference. Mm, it's just like that. Oh no, it's like something that's a time-honored <laughs> thing that you've been this th- forever. Yeah. And then you just change your name. Mm-hmm. Is that related to football? Yeah, college football. Yeah. College sports. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we also love the people who listen. Listen to us Absolutely. twice a week. We've been doing this since, when did we start doing this? March 11th, 2014. And that is a lot of content. March 11th, 2014, twice a week uh, with 
many go, many bonus episodes going thrown in on there. almost 700 episodes when you include the bonus episodes yeah so that is quite a bit and we appreciate everyone who has been with us on this journey from the beginning early adopters early as we adopters say. absolutely we appreciate you guys so much thank you you know what i thought about doing and then we'll j- get back to business here I thought about renumbering, like including bonus episodes into the normal episodes, because I always say including, you know, almost 700 episodes. And then people look and they're like, well, this is 548. What are you talking about? Yeah, I think I'm just going to the next episode. Maybe we'll do this. The next episode will be we'll jump up like 75 numbers and then we'll start including we'll just bonus bonus in the inside there. Yeah, I don't know why I don't like the idea, but I don't. And but you can't explain why. Yeah, I can't explain why. I don't know. Because it's not it's not even cheating. We've really done that number of episodes. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't. I'm going to have to sit with it well, and let me figure get feed, out. We'll get feedback from the audience. Yeah. Just just message, tweet at us at Dollamore, at I doubt it podcast, yeah. at Brittany, Brittany E. Page. Mm hmm. Or hit us on the Facebook page, I Doubt It With Dollamore Podcast. There's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us. Even if your opinion is, I don't care about this, <laughs> go ahead and send that to us as well. <laughs> I do not care what Fantastic. you do. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about this Botham John. Uh, he was killed by this cop in Dallas. Amber Geiger. Amber Geiger. And she was brought up on charges convicted of murder and then subsequently sentenced subsequently sentenced to an underwhelming number of years in prison turn up the volume and please take a look at this it is the scene that played out in the streets of dallas last night after former police officer amber geiger was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the murder of her black neighbor botham jean Geiger fatally shot Jean after she entered his apartment, thinking it was her own and that he was an intruder. He was sitting on the couch eating ice cream. That scene that you saw in the street is very different from the one that played out inside the courtroom, where the victim's brother took the stand to tell Geiger that he forgives her. And he went one step further. I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Talk about grace. Talk about mercy. My goodness. Joining us now to discuss Mark Claxton, retired NYPD detective and director of the Black Law Enforcement Alliance. Eddie Glaude, professor at Princeton University and Danny Savalas, MSNBC analyst. Eddie, I'm so glad you're with me today. As soon as I saw that video, um, I you were the first person I wanted to call. It wasn't just a hug, though. After the sentencing, the judge also walked over and gave Amber Geiger a Bible, and he embraced her. What's your reaction? Excuse me, she. What is your reaction to the sentence and the scene that played out in the courtroom? 
Well, I think the sentence reflects um, a, a systemic problem within uh, our, 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 our system, our criminal justice system, Stephanie. Um, she got 10 years with good behavior. She will do five uh, for killing someone. Uh, just think, put this in perspective. Crystal Mason for voter fraud in Texas got five years. Tanya McDowell for trying to send her kid to a school that was out of her district got five years. Uh, and so it could be the case that Amy Geiger can, will only serve five years for the murder of, of Botham Jean. So that, I think, wherever you stand, I think something is wrong with the way the, the criminal justice system works with, with white people and black people. I think that's just f very clear. But in terms of Brent John's response, Stephanie, uh, it was an expression of profound grace. It was his expression of his faith. And I think also it's an expression of self-care. Uh, so he exhibited, he exemplified what it means to be a Christian. And, and help today, evangelical Christians, need, white evangelical Christians needed to see that. So he exhibited what it means to truly fo follow Christ. But it's also an expression of self-care because he has to do the work of keeping that hate from taking root in his soul. Because hate is corrosive. And so he has to do that work. We saw it in Charlottesville with the families who, uh, who, whose family members were murdered by Dylan Roof. You have to do that work. And as black Americans, we've had to do that work for generations so that we can get up in the morning because the hate can literally overwhelm. So it was an expression of profound grace and profound self-care in a moment where the country needs to see both. So this moment went uh, viral. Mm -hmm. And... Everyone, I need to stop saying that. Many people were, we're leaving that in because I need to punish myself. I seriously <laughs> need to correct myself. I keep doing it. I do yeah. it all the time. You do it in just private conversation too. Yeah, and I need to stop. So every time I do it, I need to be shamed until I listen. Every time. Every just single like time. Everyone. Everyone. All the time. Always. <laughs> uh, a lot of certainty. Um, <laughs> so much certainty. So. Many people were sharing this moment uh, of the hug and of the judge giving the Bible and the hug and talking about how powerful it was and how beautiful it was and uh, all of this, which I think is is fine there's to share. Some, there's some merit to it. Yeah, but many of the people that I saw sharing this are also like Blue Lives Matter people Yeah, or... Blue Lives Matter sympathizers. Or all Lives Matter types. Right. Or just people who don't necessarily support Black Lives Matter, who aren't really talking about racial inequities. So from my view, they were advancing a narrative without a lot of context. Right. Yeah. And the reason that I like the clip that you just played is because there's more context to that, to that conversation. Well, right? Eddie Glob is... A fucking rock star mm -hmm. that the guy who just got that's I included all of that because of what he said right Princeton professor just uh, a fucking genius right he's got his shit together yeah and when when this conversation happens about Amber Geiger was it right for the brother to give the hug was it right for the judge to give the hug and the Bible there needs to be not just a discussion about that happening, but also what would have happened if Botham John was the one who killed Amber Geiger yeah. accidentally in her apartment. Accidentally, quote what, unquote. Right. What, yeah. what would have been the outcome there? Do you think that cops would have showed up at his trial and cried on the, the stand and asked to give him a hug and show him mercy? And Right. Well, listen. 
it, 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 it is... As far as the, I don't think the judge should have been doing that. That's not her job. It's Very certainly inappropriate. Not, it's certainly not her job to be giving out religious texts. Very inappropriate. From the bench. Yeah, absolutely inappropriate. That is unconstitutional. Yeah. However, the brother, if he needs to do that for himself and his health yes. and his heart, then God damn it, let him do that. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing that. And also, I think that it kind of waters down the expectation of how we think about police killing civilians, police killing unarmed black men. Right. I, obviously I can't imagine being black. I've lived a white life. But but just from this perspective, I can't imagine, it is, it, it is off the charts for me how positive and upbeat Black Americans are. Because this is a disheartening thing. The history of the United States and the way that we've treated, systemically treated, blacks in this country is fucking reprehensible. It is an embarrassment. And I think that's the point I was trying to make in a very inartful way, was that this conversation got hijacked by this moment. And rather than focusing on the racial inequities in policing and what the disparity is there and what would have been the outcome if it was switched around. It got presented like, look at the sympathy that Amber Geiger is being offered. Yeah. This is the more of the grace that we need. This is what we need to see in the justice system. And it's like, but who do we need to see that for? That's exactly right. Is it like cops who make mistakes? No. You know, no. once again, it's incumbent upon black people to forgive their oppressors. To move on. Get past it. Oh, slavery, you were never a slave. Get over it. It's one another one of those moments where it's incumbent upon black people to be the bigger people, to be the bigger person. There is another element to this story that is just came out. And actually the witness, uh, the key witness in the trial for the prosecution, he lived in the same apartment building um, as Amber Geiger and Botham Jean. Um, he was shot several times by an unknown assailant uh just saturday night i believe killed. yeah and he was killed um so that happened two days after she was sentenced witness against amber geiger and yeah they don't know what the motive is and they don't have a suspect um but he he has been killed Seems uh, Joshua Brown. Obviously, there's a lot of conspiracy theory that's, that's kind of running rampant right now so now two black men have have been killed right in this same apartment complex where she lived too. Mm -hmm. a cop in dallas who who ostensibly makes very good money you know we're not we don't pay our teachers but we pay our cops very well well and it's th this is concerning and you said there's some conspiracy theories that are being um circulated on the internet now but it does beg the question. I mean, we need answers, right? What what the hell happened here? Yeah. Because he was getting out of his car at his apartment complex and he was killed. So why? Who? What's going on? Um, two days after the cop is sentenced. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it, it does raise questions. And I mean, people shouldn't be jumping to explain it without evidence. Right. But it does raise problematic questions of what the hell is going on here yeah, for sure so i mean this is definitely something that we're going to be following here um because the public deserves answers joshua brown's family deserves answers more so than the public 
Um, and the citizens of Dallas, like, what is going on over yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, come on with this police department. What's yeah. happening? Yeah. All right. Well, we'd love your thoughts on this. 657-464-7609. One more time. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo right from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So I was going to start with all of this Donald Trump nonsense today, but let's let's address this Bernie Sanders thing. Bernie Sanders had a heart attack. It's, it's been actually officially revealed that it was a heart attack, and he is back out now on the campaign trail. Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders is out of a Nevada hospital after suffering a heart attack this week. Hello, everybody. We're in Las Vegas. I just got out of the hospital a few hours ago. And I'm feeling so much better. The Vermont senator thanked supporters in a video posted to Twitter. He says he'll be back on the campaign trail. But as Ed O'Keefe reports, Sanders' health scare underlines a shift in the race for the Democratic nomination. Senator Bernie Sanders emerged from a Las Vegas hospital Friday, three days after having stents inserted to relieve chest pains. Sanders hadn't been seen since a private fundraiser on Tuesday. Give me your chair up here for a moment, Mr. Daniel. The doctors who treated him said in a statement that Sanders was diagnosed with a myocardial infarction, another term for heart attack. They inserted two stents in a blocked artery, and all other arteries were normal. I want to re- reassure everybody, he's doing wonderfully. He has His wife, Jane, on. says he'll head home to Vermont this weekend to recover for the next Democratic debate on October 15th. The health scare comes at a turning point in the Democratic race. Sanders topped the field for third-quarter fundraising, hauling in more than $25 million, just ahead of Senator Elizabeth Warren. Former Vice President Joe Biden raised $15 million, fourth behind Mayor Pete Buttigieg. But it's Warren who is leading in some national and early state polls as she draws large and enthusiastic crowds, including 8,500 people Thursday night in San Diego. Enough playing defense on this. I am ready to go on offense. The doctors who treated Senator Sanders this past week in Las Vegas say they anticipate good, expected progress. He's a lifelong roadrunner who, until this week, had a clean bill of health. And at the age of 78, Sanders is the oldest Democrat running for president. For CBS This Morning Saturday, Ed O'Keefe, Washington. He's not just the oldest Democrat. He's the oldest candidate running for president. Um, l- look, I love Bernie. We owe a, a, an unpayable debt of gratitude to Bernie Sanders for, for moving the conversation forward politically in this country, for transforming the narrative of what can be accomplished relative to uh, a progressive strategy for America. What can actually be done? He, he, he's moved mountains. But he's 78 years old. 70 eight years old. I don't think a heart attack is disqualifying, but it does highlight what we're up against here related to his health and his age and the reality of that. Now, listen, I've seen a lot of people tweeting and like, well, Dick Cheney had five heart attacks. Irrelevant. Doesn't matter. 
We didn't want him being president either, and not just because of the heart attacks. Yeah. <laughs> so I just would caution all these Bernie people out there. And look, I'm he's not my candidate right now, but I would enthusiastically vote for Bernie Sanders. I voted for him in the primary in 2016. Right. I'm not an anti-Bernie guy. Mm-hmm. But we need to have a, a, a frank conversation. Mm-hmm a realistic conversation about what this means for his candidacy going forward. Mm -hmm. And it puts a a spotlight, a white hot spotlight on who the VP nominee is here too. I mean, I'm sure he would do a good job picking somebody who, who would uh, exemplify his, his standards and his mission. Yeah. But, uh, it's important more now than ever mm-hmm. that that we think about these things. Yeah. Well, and I've seen political commentators saying RIP my mentions, but this is this means that the campaign is likely going to end soon. Um, and they say RIP my mentions because if you come for Bernie, uh, the Bernie base will come for you. That is right. And <laughs> maybe even like with more white hot hatred than like even like uh, Beyonce's followers do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I what has been weird to watch, though, is you remember when Hillary Clinton had the flu or whatever? Pneumonia. She, pneumonia. That's pneumonia. right. Yeah. She stumbled. Leaving the 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 nine eleven memorial thing, yeah, yeah, and then like all these conspiracies started about how she's like the guy from Weekend at Bernie's and being propped up like she's a puppet, and yeah. people are just carrying her around. She's really dead, you know, like all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then all these like and now she's just you know spitting fire on Twitter. Fine, yeah. <laughs> Four years later, but also uh, that was like Infowars type stuff. But on the media. Uh, not the amazing podcast, but really on the media, um, people would dedicate like lengthy segments to discussing what her health was yeah, and yeah. would she make it and what was going on. And so the response that Hillary Clinton received to stumbling and having pneumonia versus what the response has been for Bernie Sanders is like shocking to watch. Yeah. Right. He He's like overcoming. He's so strong. Oh, nothing's going to stop him. Even this. So he's a, he's a, a prodigious runner on the campaign. He's always a traveler and a mover and a shaker. Right. And yeah. it was, is Hillary Clinton going to survive? Is she actually dead right now? What's yeah. going on? What a frail old lady. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just watching the different narrative there has been shocking. Can I also say, can we get a better name for heart attack than infarction? Come on, man. <laughs> I I heard that and I made a face because I'm. Did he mean to say it like that? Infarction. Is that, is that what he meant to say? Words are funny. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So of course we want your your feedback. If you're a Bernie person, uh, what do you think about this? I mean, look. He, are you concerned about the heart attack? It, and being concerned doesn't mean that you're you're selling Bernie short. You can have two things can be true at the same time. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. All right, let's get back to Donald Trump. Last week we covered all kinds of stuff in the last episode of what happened last week because it was well. Let me, let me say this: Brittany and I had a conversation about we don't want the show to be uh, just like. A, a recitation of the news and just like summarizing the week. Right. There are going to be episodes that it's like that though, because so much goddamn shit happens. Yeah. That there's no other way 
to get through it than by kind of summarizing what each thing was and then give it a little bit of commentary on it. And even referencing Dan's voicemail on the previous episode, for those of you that need to take that time to like shut down and not read every single one of the 10,000 tweets that Donald Trump tweets each weekend. It is. He's the craziness is picked up. Yeah, we we kind of go through what we feel is important and then we take that out of the mess and we put it on the show and talk about it. So it's also a, a service, really, that we're providing oh, to wow. the listeners. Uh, <laughs> we are doing the, the, the work of a saint Yeah, here. we're wading through in the sewer and we're propping up what we feel is important for everybody to know and for us to discuss. So so last week, uh, Donald Trump held a press conference with the president of Finland, during which a guy named Jeff Mason, who, who is a reporter for Reuters, by which by all accounts, who by all accounts is like the most mild mannered, gentle, decent human being. He's not like Brian Karam from from Playboy or wherever the hell he writes for that guy who got his was like yelling at Gorka. Yeah, he's always getting into fights. Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah. In a kind of an aggressive guy. Uh-huh. That's not who Jeff Mason is. He is super meek and 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 easygoing, a professional. Anyway, he asked a question, which, by the way, spoiler alert, Donald Trump refused to answer. And I want to talk about how this went down and also kind of what it implies, the refusal to answer this very basic, very important question. Um, Jeff, go ahead. Thank you, sir. Uh, Jeff Mason from Reuters. Uh, Mr. President, I'd like to ask you about your use of the word treason. You've used it uh, repeatedly in the last few days. Do you consider anyone who opposes you treasonous? No, no. I consider when they lie, when they stare, stand before our great body in our great chamber, and they make up a story that's fiction, like shifted. He took that perfect conversation I had with the Ukrainian president, and he made it into a total lie. It was a total fabrication. And you do admit that. It was a total fabrication. He said, this is what, and the only ones that don't like my conversation are the ones that never read it, but they heard Shifty Schiff. That's what I call a lie. And because of the fact that he's, he's lying about the president of the United States and as to what the president says, you know, I, I believe it or not, I watch my words very carefully. There are those that think I'm a very stable genius, okay? I watch my words very, very closely. And to have somebody get up and... All right, we're going to stop it there. It goes on for like another five minutes. He rambled for seven, almost seven minutes of this same stable genius nonsense, choosing his words carefully, strategically, very, very, very clearly, avoiding the actual question. So after roughly seven minutes... Jeff Mason, he ends the question like he's going to move on. And other reporters like, no, 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 no. What about the Biden question? What did you intend for Zelensky to do for you relative to the Bidens? And then Jeff Mason gets a question, gets, gets an opportunity to re-ask. But I don't like to be the sucker. And European countries are helped far more than we are. And those countries should pay more to help This is Ukraine. the end of the seven Ask minutes. Ask a question, please. Thank you, sir. Mr. What did you want about Biden? What did you want him to look into on Biden? Look, Biden and his son are stone cold crooked. And you know it. His son walks out with millions of dollars. The kid knows nothing. 
You know it, and so do we. Go ahead, ask a question. But the, the question, sir, was what did you want President Zelensky to do about Pre- Vice President Biden and his son, Hunter? Are you talking to me? Yeah, it was just a follow-up of what I just asked listen, you, sir. Listen, you ready? We have the president of Finland. Ask him a question. I have one for him. I just wanted to follow up on the one that I asked you, which did was, you hear what me? did you want did him you hear to me? Yes, ask sir. Ask him a question. I, I will. But I've my- given you a long answer. Ask this gentleman a question. Don't be rude. No, sir, I don't want to be rude. I just wanted you to have a chance to answer the question that I asked I've you. I've answered everything. It's a whole hoax. And you know who's playing into the hoax? People like you and the fake news media that we have in this country. And I say, in many cases, the corrupt media, because you're corrupt. Much of the media in this country is not just fake, it's corrupt. And you have some very fine people, too. Great journalists, great reporters. But to a large extent, it's corrupt and it's fake. Ask the president of Finland a question, please. Okay, I'll move on now. Um, Mr. President... In your opening remarks, you said to President Trump that you had been to some museums today and that you respected the U.S. democracy and encouraged him to continue it. Are you concerned that that's not happening? (laughs) (laughs) What a great... What a great question. That is an awesome way. All right, fine. I'll ask him a question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Taking in the exchange that you just watched between us, sir, are you concerned (laughs) about democracy here in the United States? Fucking score one for Jeff Mason. And by the way, Mm -hmm. Reuters is not fake news bias. They're not like an MSNBC. They Mm -hmm. come on. It's not democracy now. It's fucking Reuters. Yeah, They're well, about as straight a news agency as it gets. Well, he has nothing else. Yeah, for sure. He has nothing else. And it really is nice to watch him squirm. Again, it's unfortunate that he has this powerful position where people still feel the need to refer to him as sir. Um, and they have to kind of... Well, they're addressing the office of the president. Right. So. They can only push back so much yeah. before it starts to create a problem and so he just he had to move on at that especially point especially when you're in the east room of the white house i mean you're you're on his turf you're in right. his house literally where he lives right you have to act with some kind of decorum but i appreciate how he was definitely not a coward and yeah a professional right a professional really did his best to push donald trump as far as he could Uh, Before things got a little hairy for him. And then he went on almost immediately. Within hours, he was on CNN talking uh, about the exchange. I want to go to the reporter who was asking the president those questions. Jeff Mason, uh, White House correspondent for Reuters. And Jeff, I wanted everyone to see exactly what happened there. Um, Let's just be clear with one thing. First and foremost, the president of the United States did not answer your question, which you asked loudly and clearly and repeatedly. What did you want Vice President Zelensky to do about Vice President Biden and his son, Hunter? He didn't answer. No, he didn't answer. And he was certainly given um, opportunities to do so. And, and Aaron, it's, it was also, it's a legitimate uh, question. Uh, he's been saying, as, as you've been talking about already in your program, that his call with President Zelensky was, was quote-unquote, perfect, uh, praising himself for having released that transcript. <laughs> and so I thought it was good just to get a sense right now, here, after that call has happened and after all the controversy has occurred, uh, to get a sense from him as, as to what he really wanted. And he wanted to avoid the question. Uh, He certainly did. So then he refuses to answer your question, demands that you ask one to the uh, president of Finland, which you did. And then he jumps in anyway and doesn't let him answer it, Um, uh, which 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 sort of was the priceless part about the whole thing. Um, But 
my question to you, Jeff, is does anger and frustration today that you saw in that room, did it seem strategic to you or did it seem like his anger really got the better of him? I'm, I'm not convinced it was strategic, no, Aaron. I think that he's just upset and frustrated by how the impeachment inquiry is now going. He lashes out at, at journalists. He lashes out at the media in particular when he feels under pressure, when he feels frustrated. I think that's what he did today. I don't think that was strategic in that he would have had to think ahead of what the question might be or of what our exchange would be like. And I think instead it was just a show of exasperation on his part, both in the Oval Office, which you showed earlier, and in that press conference uh, about this entire thing. I mean, he walked off the stage when there was supposed to be another question from the finish side. So that, that was a sign that he was just done. He was just done and he'd had it. But again, I want to make the point here um, that, that you asked a very simple question and he, he could have answered it. He loves to answer questions, um, but he did not. I mean, he just point blank did not. Yes, and it gets to the heart of this entire controversy. I mean, if, if he wants to say that um, he was not looking for the, the president of Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden, despite what it says in that transcript, then he needs to say that or he needs to explain it, and he hasn't done that. And again, let's reinforce that Donald Trump isn't a guy who doesn't answer questions. He, he chooses which ones he's going to answer and which ones he's not. And after denying and denying and denying that the call wasn't perfect, that nothing happened on that call that was untoward, that was inappropriate, that was scandalous, he went out getting ready to go out on, in, in Marine 2, the helicopter, and take off. And he directly made an appeal to the president of Ukraine and China to do that very thing he asked in the phone call. This time, not in private. Not in a call that's going to be filed away in some top secret code level word, uh, code word level server. This time, it was for the cameras. Mr. President, what exactly Well, I would think that if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Biden. It's a very simple answer. Uh, they should investigate the Bidens, because how does a company that's newly formed and all these companies, if you look at, and by the way, likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens, because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with, uh, with Ukraine. So I would say that President Zelensky, if it were me, I would recommend that they start an investigation into the Bidens, because nobody has any doubt that they weren't crooked. That was a crooked deal, 100%. He had no knowledge of energy, didn't know the first thing about it. All of a sudden, he's getting $50,000 a month, plus a lot of other things. Nobody has any doubt. And they got rid of a prosecutor who was a very tough prosecutor. They got rid of him. Now they're trying to make it the opposite way, but they got rid. So if I were the president, I would certainly recommend that of Ukraine. This is outrageous. This moment right here is impeachable in and of itself. He is asking for foreign interference in our democracy. When he has a panoply of investigative organizations... He's asking a totalitarian civil rights abuser, human rights abuser like China, to investigate American citizens, 
to dig up dirt on Americans that will help him in an election. If it ends up that Joe Biden is the nominee, I, I don't still think that's going to happen, but Donald Trump's just hedging his bets. And you might be thinking, wow, this is so direct, so clear. It's on tape. There's a video of it. Yeah. He's just doing it for everybody to see. What could the Republicans possibly say now? Well, they have to just give in and say they made a mistake. <laughs> They're going to stop defending him, you that would, what he's doing is wrong. You would be wrong if that's what you think. <laughs> you would be wrong because Jim Jordan was on George Stephanopoulos. It's all the same characters making the rounds on yeah. Sundays, by the way. No one new is coming forward. No one new is coming forward to talk They're about this. They're hiding under their desks in silence. Yeah, and uh, George Stephanopoulos asked him directly, is it okay, is it right that Donald Trump is asking China to investigate the Bidens? Let me guess. He wouldn't answer. Of course, he wouldn't answer. But what he was saying was he didn't really mean that. Do you think China's actually going to investigate the Bidens, George Stephanopoulos? Oh, he's taking the, the Marco Rubio line that he, Donald Trump's just trolling the press. Right. So he's he, just faking like he's a traitor to the nation. He's just doing it just to get a rise out of you. That's really their defense. He didn't actually mean it. It's just something that he's saying. That is just bananas it it is Seriously. bananas because what the hell kind of defense is that well listen he, let's 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 further the, the 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 aperture here let's open the aperture and, and look at this from a wider perspective because the very first witness of this impeachment inquiry is kurt volker the former ambassador to ukraine who revealed all kinds of information, including text messages between him and other people in the State Department that put a pen in this, that absolutely there was a, supposed to be a quid pro quo. There was a condition. There wasn't going to be a meeting or a phone call unless this investigation went forward. Let's just give more context to who Volker is. He's the former um, United States rep for Ukraine negotiations, and he resigned a week ago. After the news of the July 25th call broke. That's right. He wasn't, he wasn't an ambassador. He was like a special envoy. Mm -hmm. Supposed to be organizing um, like the money and, and, and the, the aid to Ukraine. Right. Ed O'Keefe is on Capitol Hill. He and a team of producers stayed up late combing through those texts. Ed, what did you find? Well, Anthony, good morning. The text messages show administration officials coaching the Ukrainians on what to say in order to win a meeting with President Trump, specifically that they would commit to investigating that Ukrainian company with ties to Hunter Biden. But at least one diplomat on these text chains raised concerns about linking that request to releasing Ukraine's military aid. The pages of text messages Kurt Volker handed over to Congress show the top U.S. diplomat to Ukraine at the time Bill Taylor, repeatedly raised concerns about the administration's Ukraine strategy. In a text last month, he wrote, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. But Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, disagreed, saying, I believe you are incorrect about President Trump's intentions. No quid pro quos of any kind. He suggested taking the conversation offline. Taylor is a career Foreign Service officer with over 20 years of experience. Sondland is a Republican donor who gave about $1 million to the Trump campaign before being named to his post. The texts also show Volker, Sondland, and the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, coaching Ukrainian officials on how they could secure a White House visit by publicly promising to investigate a Ukrainian company linked to Hunter Biden 
and election meddling. But when a White House meeting was never planned, Taylor raised concerns again, asking, are we now saying that security assistance and White House meeting are conditioned on investigations? After hours of testimony, both Democrats and Republicans said Volcker helped their opposing positions. There was no quid pro quo whatsoever. There was an ongoing scheme, as the whistleblower described, uh, to quote-unquote play ball. Now, today, the House Oversight Committee is expected to subpoena the White House for more information on that July call between the president and the Ukrainian leader. They also want to learn about any attempts to conceal that call or to learn about who exactly is the whistleblower that set this off. Also today, the watchdog for the intelligence community will be back up here on Capitol Hill, meeting behind closed doors with the House Intelligence Committee. Tony? Very interesting new details, Ed. Thank you very much. So make no mistake... This is a huge seismic thing that took place. The very first witness that is questioned relative to the impeachment inquiry and uh, drops a goddamn bomb. These text messages are damning. Donald Trump, despite his, his um, wanting to answer questions and screaming fake news and corrupt news, is fucked. That's not going to work in court. Listen, I do believe that there are enough senators. One, this is what we know right now on day one. We're only like a week into this this news. As things come forward, it is going to be impossible for all of these senators like Marco Rubio and the others who are crickets, silent, it's going to be impossible for them to continue this because the public is, as we learn more, is going to rapidly turn just like they did against Nixon. They're against impeachment until they're not. That's what's going to happen. Also, an attorney for the whistleblower um, who raised alarm about President Trump's communications with Ukraine said today that, quote, multiple whistleblowers have come forward. Yeah multiple have come forward. So there is going to be a lot more information to run with here relative to Donald Trump's impropriety and abuse of his office. It's something to behold, something to watch. We are witnessing major historical events unfold and uh, stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. Yes. (laughs) Or don't take a break. Yeah, but, you know, stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned, but also take some breaks. Uh, Stay tuned. Some self-care, but (laughs) stay tuned as well. Stay tuned and self-care. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. We're going to leave you there. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you on episode 500. Oh, it'll be a different... Well, I guess we're going to take some... Get, we're going to pull the audience and see what they think about whether I should jump 70 numbers up and mm-hmm. start doing bonus episodes as normal numbers. Yes. And then they're still bonus. Yeah. Because interviews. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you. Again, let us know. Reach out. Uh, we want to hear from you. So until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. You know, it feels like a team effort when you're changing your tampon or something, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.